Welcome to episode 28 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. All news related to the Get More Sports Podcast, you'll find right over there. So today we're going to be breaking down the Manny Pacquiao-Thurman fight this weekend. Pac-Man, he was brilliant once again. He's looking like prime Pac-Man at the age of 40. Still has that speed, the punching power, that aggressive style that makes for very entertaining fights. And it was a good one this weekend. Thurman, he definitely was a... was more than a respectable opponent. He was undefeated heading into the fight, and Manny Pacquiao hands him his very first loss, and we're going to tell you why Manny Pacquiao needs to line up that fight with Floyd, Money, Mayweather, one, so he can get that bag, and two, so he can show everyone that Manny Pacquiao would have beaten Floyd Mayweather in his prime. He would have beaten him yesterday, today, 10 years ago. Manny Pacquiao is a better fighter than Floyd, Money, Mayweather, and we're going to tell you why. We're going to break down the fight, the, the May pack, the first one, and what went wrong. And then we're going to talk a little baseball. Mariano Rivera, he goes in as the unanimous Hall of Famer in Cooperstown. He had a great speech. I love this line. He's like, why do I always have to have to be last? He gave the last speech, but we're going to talk a little bit of that. Talk some hoops. Kawhi Leonard and the Lakers. The Lakers believe that Kawhi Leonard has played them, and we're going to uh, end the show on that. Then we're going to give you, no, we're going to end the show with the top 10 most unhittable pitches in baseball history. So that's how it's going down today on the Get More Sports Podcast. But we're going to get things kicked off with the Pacquiao-Thurman fight. Manny Pacquiao got it done. Check out some of the fi- highlights from the fight. Bit of a smile from Manny Pacquiao. Oh, and let me tell you, that was just a quick punch. And Manny Pacquiao moved in with his legs and his hands and caught Thurman backing up. Thurman thought he could back up quick enough, but he wasn't quick enough to get it out of the reach of that punch. Four totals. Judge at ringside, Glenn Feldman. Scores about 114 to 113 in favor of Keith Thurman. Judge at ringside, Dave. Moretti scores about 115-112 in favor of Manny Pacquiao. And judge at ringside, Tim Cheatham sees it 115 to 112 in favor of the winner. Boxing's pride to the Philippines, the ageless wonder, the one and only current WBA welterweight champion of the world. So one judge scored at 114 to 113 for Thurman, while the other two had at 115 to 112 for Pacquiao, and then 116 111 
who won the WBA Super Welterweight title. And Manny Pacquiao showed the world why he's, one, still a viable draw, and, two, a guy that puts butts in the seats, a guy that still has a big-time name. And I'm telling you, last this week, I want to see more Manny Pacquiao. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how many things he's doing outside of the ring as a senator, as a government official. This guy clearly has enough left in the tank to do some things because he's fighting a you know, guys in their in their prime. Thurman's 28 years old. They're fighting prime guys, and really Pacquiao dominated the first six rounds of the fight. The first six rounds of the fight was all Manny Pacquiao. Thurman had some power punches on him, but the jab advantage was all Pacquiao, and then he gets that knockdown in the first inning. So if you're, I mean, the first inning, wow, I've been watching a lot of baseball. <laughs> in the first round, he gets the knockout and the knockdown, and I love it because Thurman, if you remember, in the press conferences leading up to it, it was getting a little hostile. And Pacquiao said himself that he was using a lot of Thurman's bravado and a lot of his smack talking leading into the fight as extra motivation. And Thurman had famously said to Pacquiao that it's going to be night-night. Check this out. I want to know what went through your mind. And I'm sure you saw it on social media. I saw Keith one time Thurman, someone showed some video of him of Manny Pacquiao, and he said, Manny Pacquiao, night, night. I'm sure you saw it. What was your reaction when you saw it? You know, I'm a kind of fighter that I don't talk uh, too much, uh, no trash talk, but I do in the ring a lot of things. Could say that uh, let's uh, prove it in, in the ring on July 20th. And you will see um, a warrior Manny Pacquiao this, this uh, July 20th. Uh, because of all he says, let's prove it in, in the 20th. And I will show you. So Thurman, he comes in. After the sixth round, he started to get some momentum. Manny Pacquiao looked like he was starting to get a little fatigue. His style, the aggressive, the will, the fire that he fights with, at some point, you're going to have a little bit of drop-off and give Thurman credit. He was taking advantage of that. He was standing tall. He was delivering some power punches on Manny Pacquiao. And he did start to put some serious pressure on him. I was getting worried for Pacquiao fans. Because he was he was definitely putting some pressure on him later in the fight, but in the tenth round, the Filipino senator, Mr. Manny Pacquiao, Pac-Man himself, he came alive once again, took control of the fight. He was chasing around Thurman in the ring, and it was Manny Pacquiao's fight. And he really just had a nice shot to the body that really, really got to Thurman. Thurman said after the fight. After the fight, he was saying he was having trouble breathing. So that's never a good sign. These guys are gladiators out there. A very barbaric sport, boxing, being a professional fighter. But Thurman was saying that he was having trouble breathing. Check this out. Did he have you really hurt? Because we did see you kind of giving body language, leaning over a little bit. The the body shot was a terrific body shot. Um, I even took my 
mouthpiece out of my mouth just so that I can breathe a little deeper. Um, you know, we stayed on our feet. We kept fighting. Um, it was very unexpected once again. You know, uh, that's why my name is One Time. You know, it's it's always those one punches in a round that really can change the pace of a round. One time isn't just something I do. One time is something that could happen to me. I got hit a few more times than one time, maybe about two good shots uh, in this fight. I try to retaliate, but um, Manny held his composure. I know that I got his respect in the ring, but he held his composure well. He held his hands up well, and um, he's just a more relaxed fighter um, with all the experience that he's had now but I just want to say I was very impressed with Thurman not just as a fighter I mean you're going against a superstar and Manny Pacquiao a legend an icon an absolute icon and Manny Pacquiao and really Thurman came to play he, he really did boxed a very nice fight but unfortunately, it was for him, it wasn't enough to get it done. But I really liked how he handled the press after. He really gave all the credit to Manny Pacquiao. And you just got to give him credit because boxing, these guys have so much pride. No one likes to tip their hat after the matches, after the rounds, after the fights. And Thurman was quick to give all the respect in the world to Manny Pacquiao. But I just want to say, the Fox broadcast, I really enjoyed the Fox broadcast. You had, you had Albert... On the call, you had Lennox Lewis, and I like the, the, the ticker with the punch counts going up. I really like the broadcast, but hi, Fox, how did you not ask Manny Pacquiao in the ring with Floyd Mayweather in attendance, rocking a turtleneck in June or in July? Why are you rocking turtlenecks in July, Mr. Floyd Mayweather? And Mayweather goes into the ring before the fight, and after the fight, you're telling me you're not going to ask Manny Pacquiao about a potential rematch with Floyd Mayweather while he's in attendance. Come on, Fox, get it together. I know you haven't done many big-time pay-per-view boxing matches like this, but that's a question that needs to be asked because you want to hear what he's got to have to say, and you know that Manny Pacquiao is not going to be ducking a 43-year-old Floyd Mayweather and that it makes a lot of sense for Manny Pacquiao to line up that fight. So if you're Team Pacquiao and you're Team Mayweather, I know you're both going to say you're both past your prime, and then if you're Floyd Mayweather, you do have that unblemished record but I'm telling you, Floyd, there's not too many big paydays out there for you. You just took nine million dollars. You just you just took nine million dollars to fight a a Japanese fighter. So, I mean, you you, you just nine million dollars to fight a Japanese kickboxer, Tenshin Nasakua. Okay, you're telling me you're not gonna, but you you don't want to fight. Manny Pacquiao, because that could be easily another 80 to $100 million payday. You know, Floyd Mayweather's a billionaire, but he lives life like he's a trillionaire, okay? So, you know he wants that paper, and that would be a great pay-per-view to line up. I want to see Manny Pacquiao. I want to see Floyd Mayweather right here, right now, because I got Pacquiao big time in that fight. Because, really, I mean, the first time they faced off, Pacquiao was in a great position to take Floyd Mayweather. They both He had been ducking him for years, and we know why, because you know he didn't want anything to do with Manny Pacquiao in his prime. He waited a little long, but we're going to get into that in just a second. But Thurman, he's now 29-1 and with the no contest. Manny Pacquiao, he improved his record to 62-7-2. And, and look, I'm just saying that Manny Pacquiao... He was so impressive on Saturday night that we really need to revisit a Pacquiao-Mayweather fight. Because, look, 
Mayweather's if, if, look, I would have a lot of respect with Floyd Mayweather. I always like to say with Mayweather, when in doubt, just hug it out because that's how he fights. I mean, this dude hugs fighters more than I hug my teddy bear as a kid. Okay, but if he were able to, t- if he would agree upon putting his unblemished, undefeated. TBE, the best ever record against a Manny Pacquiao after what he saw on Saturday night, that would make me earn a lot of respect because, hey, man, look, his career is becoming a circus at the end. Man, just watching that Conor McGregor fight again, Conor McGregor was a joke. That was insulting to boxing fans. It looked like we're watching a black and white fighters back in the 20s square off. That thing was disgusting for boxing fans. Mayweather had no business fighting Conor McGregor. Find yourself a real opponent, and Manny Pacquiao could serve as that because, trust me, Manny Pacquiao in his prime would have given it to Floyd Mayweather all day, every day. In fact, I want to do a little little revisionist history and revisited that first May Pack fight because look that was the fight that boxing purists boxing fans had been waiting for forever it was like Star Wars fans waiting for the Phantom Menace okay we were it was in our veins for a long time we were ready for it but instead we got Jar Jar Binks in that you know what I'm saying that thing did not live up to the hype and if it, if it wasn't for uh, Manny Pacquiao Manny Pacquiao basically fighting with one arm that fight would have been an absolute dud. It would have been a, a snore fest. But Manny Pacquiao, the heart of the Pac-Man, he gave it everything he had, and he gave us any of the action that we really got in that fight. But look, I think it's some important things to know about that fight. Two weeks before the fight, Pacquiao stopped sparring, okay? Manny Pacquiao stopped sparring due to the pain in his right shoulder because it got so severe and really, that's the one where he jabs with. So the one with the you know the, with the left hander, where he's going to jab with, he's going to jab with that hand, and it really limited him in that fight. And the day of the fight, Pacquiao requested the use of Toradol. Okay, he wanted to use Toradol to try to get that pain away, so he could just numb that shoulder. And the problem with that is, it was a legal anti-inflammatory drug, often used in injuries that warrant it. And, of course, Floyd Mayweather, his association with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they denied him the use of that substance, and no one knows why. There was no provisions or regulations that stated why he was unable to use that, and there was a little spur-of-the-moment explanation that since he didn't list the injury the previous day, they wouldn't allow him to use it. But I'm telling you, it was absolutely bogus why – Manny Pacquiao wasn't able to use a legal pain reliever in that situation. So, look, I get it. Fine. You, it, it's so close to call, right? Right, And you're not going to use it. I don't agree with that. But on the flip side, the same commission allows Floyd Mayweather to use Novocaine on his hands. Floyd Mayweather was fighting that fight with Novocaine in his hands. And... It's not because he had a medically documented injury. The reason why they let him use it was because he was worried that the painful hands, because you know he's got brittle hands. His hands are weak. It's like single-ply toilet paper hands. That is weak. And that's why he had the Novocaine rolling with him. And he let they let him use the Novocaine during the fight. So I think, hey, if you're not going to let 
Pacquiao used something for a legitimate injury that he sustained while training for the fight. I don't like the fact that you're allowing Floyd Mayweather uh, to use Novocaine. And to me, that's almost like PEDs in that situation. So, and then as the fight begins, as the fight begins, the injury just started to take its toll on Manny Pacquiao. It went from the chronic stage to the acute stage, and he he, he damaged it during the fight. The tendons started to fray. Uh, the doctors believe that the tendons in his shoulder started fraying around the fifth or sixth round, and then Manny Pacquiao started to break down after that. And look, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm injured. I'm, you know, as an excuse, but... Right the week after the fight, Manny Pacquiao, it was revealed that he had a they had to surgically repair his super spy natus. So that was a big time injury that limited uh, Manny Pacquiao. But even though even with the injury, he was running from Pacquiao all day long. It was a marathon for Floyd Mayweather. He was blocking, he was ducking, and really he didn't have great power punches in on Manny Pacquiao. And look to me, even if you want to say it. There's no doubt in my mind, Manny Pacquiao is a superior fighter than Floyd Mayweather. If you want to say Mayweather is a better boxer, I'll take that argument. And of course, that's the sport. But look, he's a superior fighter. I want to see Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather in the ring one last time. I don't care if they're 43 and 40. They have to get it done. Because look, we've seen situations where aggressive fighters can beat better boxers. I mean, it's happened in boxing history. Roberto Duran beat Ray Sugar Ray Leonard. Marvin Hagler beat Tommy Hearns. So sometimes the slugger does beat the boxer, and I think you'd see that with Manny Pacquiao. So I really want to see that because, look, Mayweather, who are you going to fight? Mayweather, who are you going to fight? You're going to fight Earl Spence? Even Pacquiao, Earl Spence? No way. I don't think you want that. That guy's in his prime. That's a guy that you don't want to see. So, look, I just want to see that fight. But, hey, it was a great night for boxing. It was a great night to see boxing purists, to see a real fight again because we really haven't seen that in a long time. But, uh, like I said, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, get it done. The clock is ticking. Take advantage of whatever you guys have left in the tank. Leave it all out there. I know Mayweather. I know you want that star. I know it. You look. You look, You show up to the NBA games courtside. You show up to the boxing match. And you go into the ring. You love the attention and do it as long as you can. Give it to the fans. Say what you want about Floyd Mayweather. I love him as an entertainer as far as the bravado, the press conference. There's a mystique to Floyd Mayweather. And look, if he comes in and he shuts down Manny Pacquiao, it'll silence me. And guys like me won't say anything about Floyd Mayweather again. Although nothing will ever change the fact that I think Manny Pacquiao in his prime would have been Floyd Mayweather in his prime. And there's nothing you could do to change my opinion on that just because I just think Manny Pacquiao is special. I think his speed, his punching power is something that the game had never seen before. And also his fire and his tenacity. This is a guy, Manny Pacquiao is a guy who grew up living in huts. He's a guy who his first job was he worked you know 12 hours to, to get a fish to feed his family. He's a guy who filled his pockets with quarters, with pesos, just to make weight to, to, to be able to compete. I'm telling you, this guy is special, and I just want to see it one more time. And also, maybe we can get another. Today's, today's viral video flashback 
We're going to roll with Manny Pacquiao, his singing, his single. Check out Manny Pacquiao singing. You got to love the Pac-Man. You know Filipinos. The Filipinos invented karaoke. I'm not just saying that. They actually did. And here's Manny Pacquiao getting his singing on. Check this out. And next, we're going to switch to Major League Baseball, where this weekend you had the annual 2019 Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Cooperstown. It's a great day for baseball. Celebrate the greats, and you just celebrate all of the history, the rich history of Major League Baseball. This year, you had a great class. You had Harold Baines, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, Lee Smith, and the guy that I want to focus in on, the guy that says that he, he always comes last, and that is Mariano Rivera. We're going to talk about Mariano Rivera, but first, here's some highlights from his speech. you got to love his speech where he was talking about how he always comes last. He's the closer, was the last to do his speech. Check this out. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I don't understand why I always have to be the last. I keep saying that for the last 20 years and last 17 years of my career, I always say, why I have to be the last one? But uh, I guess being the last one was a special. But look, Marion Rivera was more than deserving of a Hall of Fame induction. He deserves his bus more than any other pitcher that has been in the Hall, absolutely, as much as any pitcher, because this guy was just dominant. He was dominant, 652 career saves, and a .70 postseason ERA. .7 postseason ERA. This guy was absolute nails for the pinstripes in the postseason. He got it done year after year after year. Didn't always get it done. 2001, he blew it against the Arizona Diamondbacks when they got that in 2001. But Mariano Rivera, to me, I think that he's he's deserving of the first unanimous induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. The first unanimous induction for him is, to me, totally fine because I think the ones in the past were absolutely bogus. It was ridiculous that you had guys like like, like Ken Griffey Jr., for example. He gets 99.3% of the vote. Seaver, 98.8% of the vote. Ryan, 98.8% of the vote. Ty Cobb, 98.2% of the vote. I just don't think that that makes any sense, and it's long overdue. So just because those guys didn't get unanimous votes doesn't mean that Mariano Rivera wasn't deserving because look if you're a Hall of Famer you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame I think you just get in and these writers they overthink it they look too 
into it. They don't want to give guys a unanimous selection. And if also, I hear the naysayers. The naysayers are saying, look, Mariano Rivera, he's only pitched over 80 innings twice in his career, right? Oh, of course, it's going to be a New York Yankee, right? A, fir- a New York Yankee is going to be the first to get in the Hall of Fame unanimously. But look, if if I just think it's ridiculous. I think this whole process of the Hall of Fame not having a unanimous guy before Mariano Rivera really is the most ridiculous thing because if Babe Ruth, if Babe Ruth, the most important athlete, Babe Ruth is the most important athlete other than Jackie Robinson in the history of American sports, okay? He's definitely the most famous athlete ever. He is the most famous athlete ever. And if Babe, the great Bambino, the Colossal of Clout, the Sultan of Swat, the Big Bam, the Behemoth of Bust, Jedge, the Caliph of Clout, the Wazir of Wham, the Maharaj of Mash, the Rajah of Rap, the Blunderbuss, the Mammoth of Maul, the Mauling Mastodon, the Mauling Monarch, the Wall of Wallop, the Prince of Powders, the King of Crash, the King of Clout, the Colossal of Crash, the King of Swing, the Terrible Titan, the Kid of Crash. You get the picture. If Babe Ruth was not in the Hall of Fame as a unanimous selection, then I don't know what to believe. If Ty Cobb wasn't, I don't know what to believe. And really, this should really be a wake-up call for the Hall of Fame. And honestly, they should just retroactively call them. They should just they should just retroactively pull the votes of the guys that didn't vote for some of the aforementioned names and just say that they were unanimous. Because, look, it doesn't make any sense that they weren't able to do it. But, hey, all this slander on Mariana Rivera as of, hey, a closer doesn't deserve to get a unanimous selection, I think is just ridiculous. I mean, there have been – there. okay, check out this stat out. Check out this stat about Mariana Rivera, okay? This is a, a mind-blowing stat. There have been 12 men – to have walked the moon, 12 men to have walked the moon, and Mariana Rivera has only allowed 11 earned runs in over 96 postseason games. That's a 141 innings with a .7 ERA. So to me, I think it's very deserving. He handled it with class, and I just love it. Mariana Rivera, this guy, he started with the Fort Lauderdale Yankees, he signed a $2,500 bonus, right? The, his teammate was the very hyped, the big-time prospect, Brian Taylor, who the Yankees paid $1.55 million. Mariano, he's the guy that is an afterthought in the same bullpen, and the guy becomes Mariano Rivera. Also, I just want to point out Jack Curry. Jack Curry, I hate to be a, an old takes exposed guy, But Jack Curry from the New York Times, here's what he wrote about Mariana Rivera. Mariana Rivera, we have seen John Wetland. You are not John Wetland. Not yet. Maybe never. That's not a serious criticism. Wetland's 179 saves over the last five years are second in the major leagues to Randy Myers' 181. So pretty insane. And that brings me to our sports fact of the day. Our sports fact of the day, we're rolling with Gaylord Perry. This weekend, you had the anniversary of the Apollo 11. Some of you might know this story, but it's still a great one. So our, our fact of the day. So sometime between 1962 and 1964, Giants manager Alvin Dark 
after watching Gaylord Perry hit home runs in batting practice, he reportedly, and by the way, Gaylord Perry was one of the worst hitting pitchers ever, okay? And he said that that uh, after seeing him try to hit home runs in batting practice, he said that a man would land on the moon before Perry hit a home run in a game. And on July 20th, 1969, a man landed on the moon and Perry hit a home run minutes after. I mean, if that's not one of the best stories that you've ever heard, the sports gods smiling down on Gaylord Perry, that one gets me every time. So I really think I have no issue with Mariano Rivera getting that Hall of Fame nod unanimously. I have no issues with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, Pete Rose being in the Hall of Fame. Because, look, I think that the I think that you're doing a disservice to the history of baseball. I think that centuries down the line, you are sweeping the dirty history of baseball under the rug. I mean, Ty Cobb went into the stands and beat up a a, a paraplegic almost to death. He's in the Hall of Fame, okay? Don't act like everyone in the Hall of Fame has a spotless history. And I think that, look, if you want to put a disclaimer, fine. But there is no doubt that those, look, those guys were going to be in the Hall of Fame before they started balcoing it up and roiding up. And then Pete Rose is one of the best players in baseball history. Yes, the gambling was a major a major problem, but I'm telling you, baseball the, the they need the baseball Hall of Fame of all the Hall of Fames, they need to get off their high horse and they need to understand that the Hall of Fame, the point of the Hall of Fame is yes, it's to celebrate the achievements of the greats, but it's also to tell the story of baseball. And you have your good times, your bad times, you have your scandals. And I think that it's such an incomplete Hall of Fame without the inclusion of Pete Rose, of Barry Bonds. I'm Trust me, hey, look, I'm a Dodger fan. Barry Bonds was practically like Darth Vader to me as a kid, okay? I'm not a big Barry Bonds guy, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I remember when he did the spin against Chan Ho Park, I wanted to punch my TV, okay? But that doesn't mean he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. So that's my that's my thoughts, really, on the, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. But go back, watch some of those speeches. The Roy Halladay, his wife's speech was very touching. Get a box of Kleenexes because that was seriously a very touching speech for the late, great Roy Halladay. And next, I want to touch on this for real quick. Apparently, the uh, reports by Brian Windhorst is that the Lakers think that Kawhi Leonard played the Lakers and he he hurt them from signing other free agents. Now, I just want to say the Lakers, I mean, look, it's been quiet for two days. Let baseball, let other sports have their time to shine, okay? That Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, Kawhi Leonard got his first taste of Laker Nation because he was at the fight this weekend. He was talking, they were talking all about it with uh, Laker fans screaming at Kawhi, talking about he should go on to the Lakers. But he was not trying to play the Lakers. He was doing the smart thing. He didn't have a time crunch. He was weighing all of his options. And I truly believe that if the Clippers – look, the Oklahoma City did not have to trade Paul George. Oklahoma City has him under contract for three years, after, uh, including this year. They didn't have to trade Paul George at all. They could have said, hey, deal with it. You're Oklahoma City Thunder, and we're not going to be forced and coerced into a trade. So I truly believe that if the Clippers weren't able to pull off that Paul George trade, because that was the only star that they were going to be able to get to play with Kawhi, that Kawhi would have joined the Lakers. But Clippers executed. 
Oklahoma City saw this as a way to hit the reset button, and that's just what happened. Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing the Lakers. Lakers need to just stop, man. The Lakers are true narcissists in that they always think it's always about them, that the whole basketball universe just revolves around the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, it reminds me, look, they always think that people are staring at them, looking at them, thinking about them. Before I made it big here on the Get More Sports podcast, I used to work at the Cheesecake Factory back in the day. I remember I was a host at the Cheesecake Factory, right? I wasn't even able to make it to the waiter spot. And we had a celebrity come in. I'm not going to drop names on which celebrity that was, but the celebrities seriously told me, they're like, look, you can't put me in the middle of this dining room because the, everyone's going to freak out. They're going to come take pictures of me, and everyone's going to ask for autographs. It's going to create a scene. You guys don't want that here. TMZ is going to show up. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. So me, I just put that. I was like, okay, sweet. So that means you want to ha- be dead center. So we sat them in the, I think it was called the C room, which is right in the front next to a window, right dead center in the middle of the restaurant. And guess what? No one, no one did anything. No one came up and asked for autographs, asked for pictures. There was no one, you know, put it on their Snapchats. Or, well, it wasn't even Snapchat back then. But look, my point is that it was just like the Lakers. They thought that everyone was talking about them, thinking about them. No, it's not like that always, man. People are going about their business, doing what's best for them. So I don't believe that in the least bit. Kawhi Leonard was not playing the Lakers. He had all the leverage because he's the greatest player or in the conversation for the greatest player in the NBA, and he knows that he had everyone around his... around his fingers, around his big claws, wanting his services. So he had ample time to get what he wanted. And at the end of the day, that was playing for the Clippers. So this is another example why he ends up with the Clippers, an organization that's not going to get petty and leak things like that. So in my opinion, Kawhi Leonard was not playing the Lakers. And we're going to wrap things up today with the top 10 most unhittable pitches in Major League Baseball history. I'm going with Roger Clemens' fastball coming at number 10. It wasn't your your straight gasser like Randy Johnson, but it was effective. He located it, and he struck out 4,672 batters and 354 wins in his career. And also, he had that crazy strikeout game. He led this league in strikeouts five times. And he also won seven Cy Young. So I got that one coming at number 10. Then we got Pedro Martinez's changeup. So Pedro Martinez, one of the most painful realities is the fact that the Dodgers traded away Pedro Martinez. Now he had that he had that lightning electric fastball, but that changeup, that's when he would fool hitters. That's when he would embarrass hitters, get them out in front, and you love that changeup. Then we got Randy Johnson's fastball. Randy Johnson dominating fastball. This dude said he was 6'10", 6'11". I think he was 7'1". The big unit was gigantic, and that heater from the big lefty, that translated to 4,875 strikeouts, 303 wins. Also, he's got a perfect game. One of the 23 perfect game throwers in baseball history. The only pitch I think was better was his slider. Randy Johnson's slider was dominant. He hits you with the heater, and then you're looking for triple digits, and then it's going out and away. Has still had some velocity on it. Randy Johnson's slider was filthy. By the way, remember when the bird hit Randy? We could have done it. We could do a bonus viral video of a flashback with Randy Johnson's fastball hitting the bird in spring training. But next, we got 
Carl Hubble's screwball. Now, I'm pretty fascinated with the screwball. And Carl Hubble, he apparently, that that his palm, like he had de- a deformed palm that allowed him to throw a crazy uh, screwball. And uh, he led the league in wins with three times, had led the league in strikeouts once, 1,677 Ks in his career. Then this one. Look up this pitch. It's Chris D. Matheson's fadeaway pitch. The fadeaway pitch, some people think it's a screwball, but I don't know. I'm just fa- fascinated with these pitches. You saw this weekend the one that went viral. This fadeaway pitch might have been the precursor to that. He finished with 373 wins. Then I got... Walter Johnson's fastball, known as the big train, 417 career wins, led the league in strikeouts 12 times. A lot of people say that his was the best pitch of all time or one of the best fastballs of all time. Then I got Trevor Hoffman's changeup. Trevor Hoffman's changeup, he, this guy, that was his pitch. You know, he got 1,133 batters K'd in that 18-year career, 601 saves, and it was all that changeup. Then I got Nolan Ryan's fastball. Nolan Ryan's fastball, you're talking, some people think it's 102, it was over 100, into his 40s. So he's pitching 100 in his 40s, 5,714 strikeouts, okay? Absolutely insane. Next, I got Sandy Koufax's curveball, the left arm of God, Sandy Koufax, 12-year career. He peaked super hard, 165 games, perfect games, no hitters, and that curveball was just the absolute per- perfect pitch for Sandy Koufax, who also had a heater on him too. So I got that. Then I got, I know you probably think I'm going Mariana Rivera's cutter, but I'm going Mariana Rivera's cutter as the number two pitch of all time. Mariana Rivera's cutter, number two of all time uh, like I said, .70 ERA in the postseason, 1,103 strikeouts in his career. But my number one pitch of all time, I'm going with Satchel Page's uh, heater. Satchel Page's strikeout, uh, uh, Satchel Page's fastball to me, people say way above 100. Satchel Page pitched over 2,500 games, and he said he's won 2,000 games. He the belief is that he won 2,000 games in his career. One time, Satchel Page, what he would do is he would tell the outfield to sit down. He would bring the outfield in, then strike out the side. One time to start an inning, he loaded the bases just to get to the best hitter, Josh Gibson, to strike him out. This guy was a superstar. I'm obsessed with Satchel Page, so I'm rolling with Satchel Page who I firmly believe is the best pitcher in the history of baseball. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again, as always. Working on that guest. This week we got episode 30. That feels like the perfect episode for a guest. But you guys can hit me up on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. Have a great rest of your week, and I'm out.